departure upon us. Hello, America. This is the Seven Innings Podcast. We talk all things softball, and yeah, we may solve one of the world's problems or two on occasion. Today on the program, BMO, Poro, Bro, Smitty, Scarborough, and Jimmy. Hello, one and all. And I think uh, I think what we need to do first is a nice round of applause for nine-year-old Marie Markham. She is, yes, she is our, yeah, she's our leadoff hitter. If you follow along at Seven Innings Podcast. Oh, there we go. Woohoo! <laughs> That's for Marie and her Twisters team. You know, they got a visit from the Chicago Bandits this week because you probably heard the story. Marie was playing a game at Chuck E. Cheese, and they the game made fun of a softball player. So she wrote a letter to Major League Baseball and Kudos to MLB for for working with Marie to change the game, literally and figuratively. So then she and her Twister teammates hung out with the Bandits. What do you guys think of Marie? I love that young women think that they can change the world. I feel like um, between that and the young woman who wrote to Steph Curry and was like, "Girl, there aren't sh- your shoes available in girls' sizes." And he mm-hmm. responded, and they were able to make that change. I feel like that young girls feel like their voice is being heard. I, I'm going to cry. I just think it's beautiful. It's so beautiful. Yeah, Holly, I agree. Uh, you know, you think about Title IX being signed in in 1972 and how far we've come and that this generation of young girls uh, don't know what maybe our parents went through, that they didn't have opportunities for sports. These young ladies nowadays think like, hey, you know, why are you making fun of softball? Softball's just as good as baseball. Why aren't there girls' shoes when there's boys' shoes? I mean, it is all about equality. And and I love the fact we're finally, finally getting to a point where it doesn't matter what your gender is. It just matters what you love and you should be doing and passionate about what you love. I think it, it really captured a lot of people. And I was even um, texting with Wayne Drace this morning, who wrote the article about Marie on um, our ESPNW and ESPN. Um, and he also said not only did the bandits go to visit their practice, but Chris Bryant is going to be FaceTiming her after school and, and giving her um, tickets. Awesome. So I guess we can say that now because this isn't live. So it's not going to be like a blown surprise to her because <laughs> this will happen later. Today is Wednesday. So this will happen later this afternoon. But Chris Bryant's wife played softball in high school, Jessica. So they're really passionate about it too. And the connection that they have with Marie is pretty cool. Love it. Love it. Now the question is, and I hate to get Smitty all in a tizzy uh, early this morning, but <laughs> can we get Maria to write a letter to the, um, to the international Olympic committee, Smitty? Uh, 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 Paris, Paris, how about, how about a Paris poo poo? They are not going to have softball in 2024. They're adding break dancing, surfing, climbing and skateboarding and i feel like softball and baseball really need to be there merde merde ça c'est très stupide je suis très euh, très curieux parce que le parisien est stupide et le comité pour les je suis très 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 fâche Avec les jeunes de Paris. How cool! You go, Holly. Wow, is that Holly? Real? My French is a little rusty. Do I have to beep any of that out? Yes. <laughs> uh, yes. Merit is a swear word, <laughs> but I left the other really bad swear words out. <laughs> Oh. oh, so frustrating. Yeah, because let's face it, how many young girls around the world break dance uh, competitively? It's uh, so ridiculous. It's you're right. It is very disappointing, and and. Uh... You know, it'll probably be back in L.A. after that, but 
unfortunately, uh, it's not going to be there in Paris. So that's a that's a bummer. Um, if you are uh, following along on your uh, lineup card, we got a lot coming your way. We're going to talk offense today. Of course, we got the big UCLA Florida showdowns. There's two of them this week. We'll be shagging some stats. Of course, give me some Jimmy. And um, uh, Scarborough's going to weigh in, too, a little bit later on on the things she learned in Palm Springs out there for a big photo shoot with Team Yes. Uh, well, maybe, course, right? maybe, okay. I just maybe a little bit clear. more. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> Tease. Tease. But I think one of the big stories, um, Kayla Bro, so far has been how good the offenses have been around America at a time when usually the pitchers are a little bit out front. Let's go to number two in our lineup and let's talk some offense. What's impressed you so far? Well, I think that the overall numbers have been huge, but the power numbers especially. I mean, we have seen so many hitters across the country hit for multiple home runs a game. You're seeing teams that are in, you know, above you know, double, double digits already in the season, which is huge. And I think that that shows that I think, again, you look at all of the technology, all of the new ways and skills these these hitters are preparing for hitter or for pitchers, excuse me, but also preparing their swings and just adjusting. I think you're seeing that a lot earlier in the season than maybe typically. So um, Mississippi State and their home run power stands out to me because Mia Davidson and Fa Lua, who's a transfer from Arizona State, have each hit nine home runs already this season. And I, so I'm at a little bit of a pickle here, and I wanted everybody's opinion because I tweeted about it, about how they had both hit the, or like I retweeted something that Mississippi State put out that they both have hit nine home runs. And what seems to be Rafael Palmero replied back to the tweet that it's thunder and lightning. And I'm a little bit confused. I know, I know. And I'm a little bit confused because he's not verified on Twitter if this is the real Rafael Palmero or if it's a fraud. But it got like over 100 likes to that tweet. So I'm thinking maybe it really is him. So if anybody out there actually knows if that is Rafael Palmero, please let me know because I'm dying to know. But lots of home run power out of those two hitters, number one and number two nationally so far, each nine home runs. It's pretty impressive. Should they be thunder and lightning uh, or are they both thunder? What if they're the thunder twins, thunder twin powers activate? Yeah. Like the old cartoon. Right. Oh, yes. Well, I, I'm just curious what you guys think, because we are seeing a lot of home runs in the first two and a half weeks of the season. And I'm just wondering what a, does that say about pitching or B, what does that say about the Uh-oh. bats? Do we have hot Uh-oh. bats. I'm going to give the credit to the swingers on, on this one. And that's what she's <laughs> <talking>. <laughs> and I think, I think perhaps we're, you know, we're just starting to see the, uh, the fruits of, of off season labors um, and, and that people are putting in the work in the off season and in the fall and they are ready to go. And in, in, in terms of how good the pitching has been, they've now seen it all over the course of their careers Team batting averages, 69 teams are hitting better than 300. 14 teams have at least 20 home runs. And in terms of ERA, there are only two Power 5 teams right now that are sub-1, and that's Florida and Texas. So the hitters are definitely having a good time right now. 
Well, a little bit of perspective. My freshman year at A&M in 2005, we hit, I think, about 310 as a team. And that led the nation that year. Like we finished number one overall offensively in batting average. So think about that. There, there are teams that are hitting like high 300s. I think I even saw one low 400s. It's just crazy, these batting averages right now. But I think, too, a lot of it has to do with, and this is like a really long topic. I'm going to try to sum it up. But pitchers at the youth level are having to move oh. back at an earlier age. I didn't pitch from 43 feet until I was a freshman in college. And now these pitchers in 14U and 16U and 18U are pitching from 43 feet. So there's no difference. They're having to move back a lot quicker. So there's no natural progression where, I mean, it's a tough age at 12U even, they're pitching from 40 feet to be able to go from 40 feet right into 43 feet. There's no easy transition. And I think that that's making a difference in the foundation that these pitchers are getting in the youth. They're just trying to get the ball to the catcher instead of pitching and learning um, the mechanics and how to move the ball. It's just, it's, I think, a really broad topic that we're going to start learning to see. But I think that these pitchers are not developing like they once did. Because the the key to that, in my opinion, is that the ball, like you're you're trying to learn to pitch where your break is going to happen at a certain plate before the plate. And so these pitchers, they can't get their ball to break when they're just trying to get the ball to the plate. Then they're not learning the intricacies and the fine tunings of when does their ball break? Why does their ball break? How can they get it to move? And, um, and, and I also am very curious about how that impacts them physically with with more injury risk because then you're, you're muscling the ball and Michelle Smith, who has, I think lost powers why we're not chiming <laughs> in here. So I'm chiming in for Michelle, but you know, I always hear her say you can't muscle the ball yeah. because that increases your injury risk. So even early in the season, I would watch some videos and see some mechanics that I'm like, Oh Lord, these are not good mechanics on some of these um, young pitchers. And they're, their hips aren't right and they're the tweak of the elbow. And I, I don't know. I don't know that that's good for the kids. Totally agree. And sorry to just barge in here one more time about this, but I think not only is it affecting them um, physically with their muscles and injuries and muscling it was a great way that you put it, Holly, because they're having to muscle the ball to get it over the plate because they're moving back so quickly and they develop at different ages, especially 12, 13, 14 years old because of puberty and maturity. But with that, if they're getting hit more, it, it hurts their confidence and it hurts their mental game. So now through middle school, through high school, they're not having as much success as they used to have. And they get to college and they really get pushed down. And I mean, you know, pitchers are mental anyway, but if that your success builds your confidence and if you're not having as much success at a young age, you're not going to be as confident when you get to the collegiate level. That statement, pictures wow. are mental, is made by Amanda Scarborough. For your Twitter comments, that is not the first. It won't be the last time you hear anything like that. All of the rest of us, because that was not a statement from us. Hey, number well, let's talk uh, uh, some offensive um, magic that was worked. Uh, number three on the scorecard on your lineup card is Bubba and Gibby. Um, and, and what do we find more intriguing? Danielle Gibson, the home run cycle. Or Bubba Nichols, the streak finally came to an end, a 24-game winning streak. Check this out. Only Natasha Watley and Stacey Newman had longer hitting streaks in UCLA history. And all Gibby did was hit four home runs in four innings. <laughs> what say you to that? The home run cycle is way more impressive. I, I mean, you guys go ahead, but I think that's, that's never done. A hitting streak is a hitting streak, but the home run cycle is just unbelievable. It's completely unbelievable. 
I don't even know why you'd pitch to her. Why were they still pitching to her? Yeah, <laughs> SIU Edwardsville was the yeah. opponent. And why is she the co-player of the week in the it league? Was, How is that possible? <laughs> true. That's so true. And it was the exact oh, same pitch no. all four at-bats. Like, up, rise ball. It's like, can we go down? Can we throw a change up? Like, something a little bit different? Like, Kayla, could you believe it? You know, actually, I was so surprised that I was going to mention this with this because, you know, the the first three pitches were straight up. They were above her belly button, like, straight rise balls. The last pitch, however, was the most impressive <laughs> home run of the day, in my opinion, because it was released outside and she went oppo with it. But I agree with you. I was like, at what point do we not throw? I had the same reaction when Tennessee was playing James Madison and Kate Gordon. I'm like, why are you throwing her she's already hit three home runs today why do you need a fourth you know I think you just gotta like you know tip your cap give her the credit she deserves because she was seeing the ball like a beach ball and let her take the walk you know and I wanted to just chime in on one other thing that you guys were talking about with all these hot offenses because I did see a little bit of Twitter backlash not that that should be important but sometimes it is about well the opponent wasn't great for those four home runs blah 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 and I saw someone clap back at them and say look that four home runs yeah. in four innings against any pitching and, and any, you know, that is an accomplishment, but with all these hot offenses, mm-hmm. let's just keep in mind, it's February 27th. And a lot of these teams are playing a little bit lower level competition. You know, some of the power five teams are playing down um, mid majors or lower. Um, so, you, you know, I, I think that that might taper off as we, as we get a little bit closer into March and conference play. And I, I, we can't go the rest of the podcast. We're not talking about the pitchers a lot because it's heavy offense. Totally get it. But Morgan Rackle of Austin P, who threw 16 innings and in a complete game win, only gave up one run, three walks, and gave up 13 hits. So she had some, you know, traffic on the base pass, but was still able, able to, to power through. But what an outing by her. I mean, all this offense with the home run cycle and such. Morgan Rackle from Austin yeah, P. Yeah, you couldn't wait. To, did you just steal somebody shagging stats, possibly? with Morgan Rackle right there? Oh, I I might have, but it's been 15 <laughs> minutes. I can't even contain myself anymore. I had to and, say and, it. And we'll give a little glove love, too, to Fale of you of Oklahoma and Alyssa Brown of Alabama for stealing home runs with terrific catches over the weekend. But congratulations to Bubba, 24-game hitting streak, and to Danielle Gibson, a two-run homer in the first, a three-run homer in the second, Salami in the third, and Solo in the fourth for those four home runs in four innings. Moving on to our cleanup spot, we we saved this for our big hitters. We've already talked offense, but these are the two big hitters that were out in Palm Springs uh, doing their thing uh, for behind-the-scenes ESPN that, that uh, we'll share with America throughout the season. Um, but let's go to things we learned in Palm Springs, Jimmy and Scarborough. Jimmy, want me to go first? You bet. And again, in the in softball. Yeah. <laughs> well, the weather was like not very good on on Wednesday and Thursday, and a couple a lot of games got rained out on Thursday. So it started out like Palm Springs, gray and rainy and dreary, is just not as fun to be around as Palm Springs where it's crisp and beautiful and 65 degrees. So that was kind of the weather to set the scene. It started out a little bit shaky. Uh, But on the softball field, you guys, I I know that we haven't gotten a chance to see and talk about UCLA a ton, but man, that team can hit. They are a true contender. And I think too, they know how to win. I saw them play a game where they fell behind against Kentucky. They didn't look great in the field, kick the ball around a little bit. And then they ended up going from losing, I think the first three or four innings of that game 
to then run ruling Kentucky yeah. in six innings. So they're a team that just knows how to win. I will also say Texas Tech, they've come to play this year. They got their first loss or they had their first loss in Palm Springs and that was against Washington. Um, so I'm impressed by them. And then Jordan Daly, um, I think is getting a little bit tired for Oregon. I mean, Oregon shows so much fight. They still play hard, but you can really see that Jordan Daly, their left-handed pitcher is getting a little bit tired. Uh, for me, I got something we learned. Uh, I think we learned, and I'm going to put this out to uh, Jersey Meg, that we need a bigger presence there next year. So I'm thinking maybe <laughs> uh, live seven innings podcast from the Palm Springs. Yes. Oh. Uh, that's the, that's that's the biggest idea. thing I learned while I was out there. Just got a text from Vegas Vicky. She says the odds of that happening are 50-50. So we've got a chance <laughs> if we can on Jersey Meg a little bit about that. There are so many people at that tournament, you guys. It is crazy. Like so, so, so many people, and it's grown so much. I mean, there were probably at the, one of the games that I watched with uh, UCLA and Kentucky or UCLA and Nebraska, probably eight to 10,000 people, I feel like, in the park. I mean, it's just insane how much our sport's growing. Well, that takes us uh, from Palm Springs uh, into the Judy Garmin, uh, which is coming up this weekend and a fabulous schedule coming up. I see Holly Rowe with her hand up. Ho Rowe? Oh, I may have jumped the gun because I have I have something fun to talk about with Florida, but should I save it for our next <laughs> UCLA Florida preview? Well, actually, it is happening in the Judy Garmin Classic. Let's let's start off the Judy Garmin Classic. Uh, wait, wait, five and six on your lineup card kind of go together. So let's talk. Um, let me see here. How about Florida against UCLA? Two <laughs> massive games this week, and I think for okay. more on that. <laughs> I'm BMO, Bro, Scarborough, Smitty, Jimmy, and the lovely and talented Holly Rowe. Ho Rowe? Okay, so I've been bursting at the seams to say this on our podcast ever since I saw it. So <laughs> Tim Walton, you know, he spent his life coaching these young women, done a great job at Florida building this program. But how about young Brooks Walton? His son was the FCSAA State Pitcher of the Week for a nine-inning no-hitter, oh. nine strikeouts for the Santa Fe Saints this week. Brooks Walton, who we have all known since he was a little tiny boy. I think we met Brooks when he was about five years old, running around the Women's College World Series. And now he's all grown up, baby's grown up, and he pitched a no-hitter <laughs> this week. So that was my little fun fact for Tim Walton and his son Brooks, who's named after Brooks Robinson. Oh, of course. Of course. Lovely. Hot corner, hot corner. Uh, how about the actual uh, affair, UCLA and Florida, uh, Wednesday and then again on Friday, I believe, right, bro? Yes, they play twice, and I think it's going to be a good opportunity. And Amanda, you can, I mean, you've seen UCLA, but it's a good opportunity for both Florida and UCLA to showcase their secondary pitchers. We know Barnhill and Garcia are going to be really strong, obviously, but how do they, how do the newcomers to the roster fare against these, like you said, these powerful, potent teams? You're right. I was thinking the exact same thing is, is, that number two pitcher for Florida, the number two pitcher for UCLA, you would think that they're most likely going to match up because Wednesday, I mean, let's get excited. I have goosebumps on my arms right now for Barnhill versus Garcia. The please. the past two national player of the years. What a match. Please, I mean, we can please. only hope that that happens. <laughs> please, please, well, please start them. Um, go ahead, Holly. So I, well, I want to ask you from a strategy standpoint, I mean, I know you want to get the best competition early in the season, but is there any inkling in a coach's mind that he doesn't want – I think Florida-UCLA could be for the national championship. I mean, this could be the preview of the national championship. And do you want 
your hitters to see Barnhill? Do you want your hitters to see Garcia? Um, I, I think it's going to be interesting. Uh, and I think that my answer is yes. yes, you do. But the only thing that I think about that that Wednesday midweek matchup is maybe giving them, and this is just one idea, but maybe giving them a little bit more rest and having them face each other on Friday. Um, but then again, you just can't wait to throw them out there and you want your your number one pitcher to face UCLA first of the week, start the week off on a, on a good foot and on a good note. So I think that we're most likely to see Barnhill and Garcia matchup. And I just, I, I can't wait. I mean, you guys, Barnhill has gotten back to Back to back yeah. SEC pitcher of the week, and you can tell the, the pitching too, the a little bit down. Or is that, does that say? Yeah, great, Jimmy. Does that say more about Barnhill and Garcia, or does that say more about the other pitchers in the conference and what they're doing? Yeah, both of these teams have played good competition. It's not like they're playing nobody yet. I mean, mm-hmm. both of these pitchers have gone against good offenses, but I think we've seen a little bit from Tim Walton. I, I'm going back to a, an SEC tournament where he'll sit his starter or strategically place them. If he knows Garcia's pitching, he might put Gar- Barnhill on the opposite game. I think reacting to what the other lineup from the coach is going to be is a potential for this situation I- as well. Because as Amanda Scarborough has mentioned, um, pitchers can be mental. Do you want them to lose to each other early in the season? We have that on on tape. We have that on tape from earlier in the show. The rest And the and last thing, but Amanda Lorenz yeah. versus Garcia. I, I wish that we could just stream that through ESPN, be able to like two box it on SportsCenter or whatever else is on. But amazing. Amanda Lorenz hitting four seventy four, six home runs, nineteen RBI in eighteen games. Only yeah, two impressive. strikeouts. She's on. So time. allow me a play by play moment here. You, you talked about Lorenz with the home run power. Barnhill, by the way, nine and zero, and so far the team seven shutouts. And they've only allowed 18 runs in their 18 games. They got it going on. For UCLA, Garcia's 6-0. We've already talked about Bubba. Aaliyah, Jordan, and Bree Perez are off to good starts. And Megan Faramo, the freshman, by the way, threw her second no-no in eight days. So UCLA's going in strong. I think it's a win-win. If your pitcher wins, then they've got confidence if they see UCLA or Florida again. If your pitcher loses... Then she's hungry all year long for a rematch. So I, I think let them see each other. I, I, I love that, and I think it's great for the game, and hopefully um, the coaches will will agree and get us at least one matchup um, that is a, a clash of the titans. Washington is there. Oregon is there. Auburn is there at the Judy Garman. I, guys, I'm looking at Tennessee and Michigan as maybe – the two teams with the most to win or lose at this tournament, they can really make a statement or, or they can really have a dent in their resume depending on how they play this weekend at the, at the, at the Garmin. Well, I think the challenge for Tennessee is their, their tournament that they hosted this weekend got rained out several days, and so they had to play a lot of games late in the weekend. So I definitely worry about some fatigue with Tennessee because they packed these games in late in the weekend now they're traveling to, to California. So I, I think that could be something to keep your eye on. Yeah. And I'm really looking at Michigan. They're six and eight right now. Um, so below 500 and it's, it ain't going to be easy for them this weekend. They play number two, UCLA, number seven, Tennessee, number 20, Oregon, and number five, Washington, and then also Northridge. So they're just a team that is not scoring a lot of runs. Their offense looks to be a little bit down. Not that it doesn't have potential. It's just what they've proven so far is that they've had trouble scoring runs. Um, and then Megan Bobian doesn't quite look the same as what she looked last year. So I think that she's trying 
trying to work out some kinks as the year goes on and, and trying to get back into the form that she had last year in her freshman year. You know, the team we haven't talked about much yet on the podcast is Washington. And I'm just curious what, what you guys have seen with Washington and what, um, you know, I think that's a very important team that we're leaving out. They were a finalist. In the I, I, I think with Washington, I, I'm not really worried about how they're going to play. I, I, I totally expect them to be there in Oklahoma City. Um, I totally expect them to be competing for a spot in the champ series. I, I think they're a team that has experience in the circle and with Sis Bates and some of their position players, I just feel like they have a very good grasp on how to handle the the grind of the regular season and, and to be peaking at the right time like they were last year. Yeah, I, I think I watched a little bit of them this weekend. And I think when you have somebody like Sis Bates in the three spot, which she was hitting this weekend, you're just not going to slump a lot offensively either. I think that you're going to be able to turn the lineup over and she can bunt, she can hit, she can slap, she can do a lot of different stuff. So when somebody like that is reflective in your three spot, it shows the dynamic of their roster one through nine or their lineup one through nine. And I think that they're going to be rolling through the Pac-12. I think they're going to be really strong until they face UCLA. And I think, like like you guys are saying, they have a really good shot to make it back to Oklahoma City. Well, I mean, we talked about Gabby Plain, Taryn Alvello, and Sis Bates, of course, but they also bring back Morgan Flores, um, who is their catcher. She had torn ACL last year and a big hitter for them. But I'm looking at their stats right now. This is not a lineup that has a lot of power. So the fact that Morgan Flores is back is really important. She's hit two home runs, but collectively as a team, they've only hit five. Mm-hmm. And But with their pitchers, they've only given up four. So this is not a team that's going to have big power numbers. They're going to have to generate with their athleticism, base running, small ball um, and and not hit the long ball very often, but they're a strong team. I mean, they, they play hard. You can tell that they just, in every game, Washington is a team that is focused, yeah. determined in it. They're so fun to watch play on defense too. Gabby playing five appearances last week, one game started, had 28 strikeouts, zero walks, zero hit by pitch, 16 innings pitched. Um, she looks like she's in mid-season Great. form already early in the season. We we will have an opportunity to see the Huskies. We're, we're going to have an opportunity to see just about everybody in the top 25 um, on our ESPN schedule, uh, which will uh, really start to pick up um, around the middle of the month as we uh, continue on the road to the Women's College World Series with over 1,200 games on the docket this season. Uh, you're listening to the Seven Innings Podcast. BMO, Horo, Bro, Scarborough, Smitty, and Jimmy, although Smitty got the power knocked out at her house. So um, uh, she was on briefly with us at the start of the program. Maybe we'll see her again. I, 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 got, finish, I got a but, Smitty update. <laughs> Smitty update. She texts me. Smitty uh, update. Power, is she okay? She is, she is fine. The power is back on, Woo. but the Wi-Fi is out. So uh, we are still uh. a few minutes away from possibly getting her back. All right, Smitty update. She is not a power pitcher no. right now. <laughs> <laughs> hey, um, you know, one of our favorites on the program is also Mike from Phoenix City, uh, who chimed in again via Twitter at Seven Innings Podcast. Wants to know what what teams are are uh, pleasant surprises or or maybe exceeding expectations uh, to this point. So I'm going to toss those in with our remaining unbeaten's because. I think it may may be a surprise that Florida State is still unbeaten with the schedule they played. Uh, Alabama is off to its best start in six years, and Indiana is off to its best start ever with its highest climb in the polls. They are up to number 15. Uh, Tara Trainer 
was 4-0 last week for the Hoosiers, who already have a win over Georgia. They visit LSU on Friday. Uh, Florida State, the numbers are staggering. The team is hitting 408 with 33 home runs. They're averaging nine runs per game. And uh, Alabama, I know, bro, you can speak to this. The 36 wins last year was the fewest of the uh, Coach Murph era. So they are coming back like gangbusters with seven starters hitting over 300 and um, Montana Fouts at 6-0 and in the circle. Well, I think, you know, this is really important and this is something we haven't seen from Alabama over the last few years. But in the circle, their entire pitching staff, 95 strikeouts, only 23 walks on the season. And Montana Fouts only has three walks on the entire season. So that's, to me, the huge difference for Alabama. They picked up some transfers. They got stronger in the circle in terms of giving up free passes. And offensively, they're just stringing together a lot more. Yeah, um, I think that... Alabama, I watched them play this weekend, has a completely different field to watch them. And I think that as much as we loved watching Osorio pitch and wiggle out of jams, I think that Alabama was starting to rely on Alexis Osorio a lot in her four years. So she's done. And now they have Montana Fouts, who, by the way, she's a freshman, stands at 6'1", throws 70 to 72 miles an hour. And while she has those given up those three walks that Kayla mentioned, 48 strikeouts and 39 innings pitched. Also, Sarah Cornell, who came over from Hostra. She was the CAA Pitcher of the Year. But here's the biggest thing, you guys, is that their freshman and sophomore class, to me, are game changers. They're athletic. They have a lot of energy. I think of Maddie Morgan, a sophomore, KB Sides, a sophomore, Skylar Wallace, who is a freshman, and Kaylee Tao, who we saw last year just have a breakout year in her freshman year. Their freshman and sophomore classes are outstanding, and they have totally changed the field of the Alabama team. And going... Go ahead, Holly. Oh, sorry, go ahead. No. Well, I was going to say, when we would talk to Patrick Murphy last year and, and some of their struggles and things weren't going great and, you know, there were some discouraging moments for them last season. And I remember him just being like, you know what, we're fighting through this, but my gosh, we're going to be great next year. So he knew this was on the horizon. He could sense that they could have some special people coming in. And with the maturity of that sophomore class, I think Coach Murphy was like struggling through a hard year last year, but like, okay, we, we're going to be good. Yeah, they just got, like you said, I mean, a new life this year. I mean, they're, I mean, like you said, a completely different team. They got so fired up. They had a walk-off win against Minnesota, and you would have thought that they were going to the World Series. I mean, they were getting hyped for the little things, and that's something that was somewhat missing, and that's such a staple of the Alabama softball program. They're, they're the kind of team that lives on momentum. Here, here's the uh, the thing, too, with Alabama and their schedule. They, they could get on a roll here, pardon the pun, they do not face a ranked opponent until April 5th. And then in the last month of the season, 15 ranked opponents. So uh, they can get on a little tear here, get some more confidence for these youngsters, and then see what happens uh, in April and into early May. But um, Alabama seems to be back and in business. Interested to see how long Florida State can keep it rolling. Um, and for Indiana and Illinois and now Northwestern, you got three teams ranked in the top 25 out of the Big Ten. Is this a year where they show uh, some more depth and possibly even some strength into the postseason? Amanda? Yeah, because I, I had seen Tara Trainer pitch. You know, she's a senior now. We're just now really getting a chance to talk 
about her because of the fact that Indiana is unbeaten, but she had shown glimpses. I feel like whenever I'd watched her play in her freshman, sophomore, and junior years of greatness, she spins the ball very, very well. She throws a curveball and a rise ball, which makes her a little bit more susceptible to giving up the home run. But Indiana, I mean, I'm so happy to see this depth in the Big Ten and them getting better, even on a year we're talking about depth in the Big Ten when Michigan right now is sitting at six and eight. Yeah. Shonda Stanton, their head coach, doing a great job. But guess who else is on their staff? One of our former players we used to cover in oh, nice. um, with Kentucky, Shanda Bell. I always Chanda. forget, was it Shanda? Chanda. Yep. Chanda. Chanda. And I yes. played with her sister, Chauncey. <laughs> All yes. right, some of the other uh, unbeatens. And- oh, Gwen, Gwen Speckis, our former teacher uh, is also on that staff. Which, that was almost yes. a passed ball, but Holly Rowe got the glove down and blocked it. Just like Gwen. Just like Gwen oh, used to do. Love, it. love to see the, uh, the, the old players doing well in the coaching ranks. Hey, we're up to number eight in our uh, lineup card, and that can only mean one thing, Jimmy. This week on Shaggin' Stats. Callie Herod is the Louisville Slugger Division I National Player of the Week. After the Florida State player recorded um, six in six wins, she hit 7-14. She went 10-14 for 14 at the plate. Two doubles, a triple, two home runs, eight RBI, and five for five on the base pass. Callie Herod is Holly Rose. Shaggin stats. All right, BMO is going to go up uh, to the, uh, uh, the wonderful city of Philadelphia and to Drexel, where Christy DeMeo hit 5-56 with four home runs and 13 RBIs last week. She's the best hitter in the Colonial. And along with Taylor Lambert and Katie Lacefield, Grayson Radcliffe and Cameron Woodall, keep your eyes on Drexel and Christy DeMeo. Kayla? Amanda, you talked earlier about Mia Davidson and Fale Lua both having nine home runs for Mississippi State, but I want to shout out specifically Mia Davidson because not only does she have nine home runs, she's batting 529 with an on-base percentage of 667, and that is ninth in the country. So power and average are huge keys for, for Mia Davidson, who's one of the hottest hitters in the country. Uh, way to piggyback, Kayla. I like it. And then I'm going to talk about Texas, who is ranked in the top 10 in all the major polls. This is the first time since the very start of the 2014 season. And that was after Blair Luna graduated and they made it to the Women's College World Series in 2013. So this is the first time that that's happened for Texas since the start of the 2014 program, uh, 2014. Uh, season. And then also because Michelle is not here, I'm going to also throw in another stat for her. Um, it's not a pitching one, but I'm just, I really want, I wrote this down. I really want to get it out. Katie Clark oh. for North Texas has 30 hits. She leads the nation in 14 games. So North Texas is a team that's had a couple of already big wins this season and she's, she's their leader on offense. I'm really mad you had that idea because so did I. Um, I was going to do one for Michelle <laughs> because I knew she'd want a pitching stat, which is Julia DiMartino from Liberty. Three appearances. <laughs> Um, she retired all 26 batters, 11 strikeouts, and a perfect game versus Princeton. And awesome. I, I, need, I need another piggyback because we did we we did Morgan Rackle some justice, <laughs> but I, I needed to just throw in in that 16 inning complete game win for Austin P. And since she's a lefty, shout out to Smitty, she would appreciate this. 217 pitches, 154 of those were strikes yes. in that 16 16 inning complete game Tell win. That. Shag and Stats, yes. Oh, Canadian. And I forgot. A Canadian senior lefty. 
Okay, I got Jimmy, you all beat because Michelle actually yes. texted me her tag and snap. No. And it's not about pitching. It's not about pitching at all. It's about hitting <laughs> in the top five home run hitters Cheater. in the country. Uh, there are two from Mississippi State, oh one from LSU, and one from Georgia. So SEC pitchers, I know we love Barnhill, but you better watch out because there is a lot of power coming once we get into conference play. Uh, mm. Mia Davidson has nine. Uh, you're going to have to help me on the name. Uh, has nine. Fa-le-lua. Fa-le-lua. Nope. Uh, DiCarlo has eight. And <laughs> and Sunseri has eight for LSU, which uh, is, LSU power is something we haven't seen in a while. Um, but for my personal shag and stat, I'm going to go with the number seven because uh, it's seven teams in our ESPN.com USA softball rankings that uh, – that are either that are outside the five. That's what I'm trying to get started here. Not uh-huh. power five, just outside the five. Um, there's seven of them that are either ranked or 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 getting votes, and uh, I think that's pretty impressive to see the, the the breadth of the softball talent that is around the country um, this year and and hopefully moving I, forward. I like it, Jimmy. Seven is also the uh, fictitious name of George Costanza's son. For those of you uh, that are Seinfeld fans out there. Uh, <laughs> and I, I think Holly, uh, Holly can put the capper on our Shaggin' Stats segment. This has been Shaggin' Stats. The perfect lead in to <laughs> give me some Jimmy at the bottom of the order. All right, I got a couple of things here. The first one is for you, Beth. Um, okay, so voice of college softball, you've called NFL, college football, uh, basketball, everything you can possibly imagine. But what would you be doing with your career if you weren't a play-by-play announcer? I would probably... I would probably give Hollywood a shot as a screenwriter. What do you think of that? That's that's probably what I would try and do. So you'd still be a doctor of letters? I would still be a doctor of letters, yes. uh, Specializing in the LMNOP. Nice. <laughs> all right, next one. The next, the next one is for you, Kayla. So we've been sitting down with all these teams in the preseason, and there's a question that I've been asking all of the the players, uh, and you're going to see some of this uh, throughout the season in our broadcast. But uh, the question is: outside of softball, what is something that the world doesn't know about you? Oh, uh, that the world doesn't know. Man, this is like hidden talents. We had this conversation. Beth and I did about hidden talents, and I said I don't have any hidden talents. They're just all out in the open. Um, something that the world doesn't know, I uh, love college football. I mean, like, I am a diehard college football fan, so, like, I'm there every weekend. I get a lot of Oregon Ducks games, which is, you know, blasphemous, you know, being from Alabama or going to Alabama, but I do. I love college football. Nice. All right. That's awesome. And then uh, Holly. Um, I think the last one might be for you. Actually, you know what? It's for anybody. Anybody out there uh, got any shameless plugs to end the episode with? Oh. Well, it's funny you should ask. (laughs) (laughs) It's funny you should ask if I have a shameless plug because I, in fact, do. Because I know that a lot of our listeners are softball fans, but I know you are supporters of women's athletics. And we have one versus two, UCLA at Oklahoma probably the most epic gymnastics meet we will see in years. Um, It is on ESPN 
one o'clock Eastern on Sunday. Bart Connor, Kathy Johnson, myself, Vegas Vicky is actually producing nice. it. And so um, nine individual national champions that won NCAA titles last season will be on the floor at the same time. It's going to be the best women's sporting event you've probably ever seen outside of softball. So join us. Nice. And, and Jim, um, you kind of touched on it with a question that you asked Kayla. And by the way, can't watch, can't wait to, to tune into that gymnastics match. Meet what meet. Uh, but Jim, can you recite all of the questions that you asked? I mean, Jim asked the same questions to probably 500 players over the course of these past three year, three weeks. And yeah. Jim, just really quickly, give us a little bit of insight. You asked Kayla one of them, but what, what were you asking the players? Just go. Okay, uh, first question is uh, introduce yourself. Say, hey, hi, hello, tell me your name, where you're from, and what position you play. Uh, next question is, uh, what number do you wear and why? Uh, third question is, do you have any nicknames? Tell me why. Uh, fourth question is, what's, uh, what's your favorite TV show to binge watch? Uh, what is your favorite Instagram follow? What is your, uh, uh, what is your, uh, what's, oh, uh, what's the most random thing you ever bought online? Uh, I love that one. Yeah, got, we got some great answers. Do you have any hidden talents? Uh, something outside of softball. Um, let's see, where were we next? Oh, uh, I'm going to start a sentence, repeat what I say, and then finish it. Um, Wait, Jim, what's, but don't leave us hanging. What's yeah, the most random yes. online purchase that you heard over these past three weeks? Uh, one player bought a, a gift for her sister that was um, a pair of boxer shorts with her face on it. That was one of my favorites. Oh, um, I'm not going to tell you who. Good You'll stuff. have to wait and see. Uh, anyway, yeah, there was there was stuff. about 10 more questions that got into some things like, what's your favorite dugout, cheer, chant, or yell? Do you have any superstitions? Uh, what's your walk-up song? Uh, can you do an impersonation of your coach? Uh, and then finally, what does it mean to you to be a, say, Florida mm-hmm. softball player or whatever team we were talking to? So, yes, I, uh, I know them pretty well. I don't even need a sheet of paper anymore. <laughs> 30 teams, 30 teams, every single person on the roster. And some of these rosters have 26, 27 people, you guys. So props to Jimmy Softball for getting it done. We appreciate all your work. Jimmy, Jimmy Softball's are yes. That is what you call giving us some Jimmy. Jimmy gave us some Jimmy. Yes. Jimmy Softball's are the producer of the show, as well as uh, (laughs) as one of our sidekicks here, one of our buddies on the program with BMO, Horo, Bro, Scarborough, Smitty, and Jimmy, unfortunately, I think the last Smitty update is uh, is uh, the Wi-Fi is still off at her house. That is that is yeah. true. All right, all right, everybody. Hey, thanks so much for being with us, uh, and be sure to follow and tell all your friends on the Twitter and on the gram at Seven Innings Podcast. And we will see you out there somewhere on the road to the Women's College.